0: Hi, I'm Shane van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Scott Pike and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
1: From the racetracks across Australia, And here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We've been fortunate enough to get the newest supercar driver on the block, that being Alex Davidson, a returnee, but he's still the newest supercar driver <laughs> again on the block. Again. Good to have you back Alex in more ways than one and uh, very pleased that you got the gig. Oh, thanks very much Tony. It mightn't be the desired uh, gig that everyone wants but the one thing is you're driving a car and uh, there are limited resources but the thing is you've now got some time to actually put more on those resources um, but let's just talk about how this came about. Now you have driven uh, for Paul Cookshake, um, for the Stone Brothers, um, I'm trying to remember who else you drove for in Supergars.
2: Uh, enough team, plenty of, i been, been, uh, Charlie Schroechold, Dick Johnson, um, you know, there's plenty, of, been, in, been in plenty of teams up and down the ship. I've been around, been around long enough.
1: Absolutely. And Will is your younger brother, by the way, to remind all those folks out there. So, um, this came about, you had had some conversations with Jono, um, about, um, you know, a. a, a Duro Drive, and then lo and behold, the offer comes up because James Courtney's walked away, and um, and you said, right, yes, I'll do it.
2: That's yeah, that's the simple version, and that uh, it, 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 it wasn't much more complicated than that. We we had been in discussion already, um, as you said, um, but quite quickly things progressed to the point where um, there was the potential to do some full-time races, and um, you know, I I I really. Thought it was only worthwhile to to get back into um, you know the full time races during the season if if it was for the whole season, um, and I thought that would that that would make it a lot more valuable for me and for, for for the team. So that's what we agreed on doing, and I'm really excited to be back in the paddock. It was, um, you know, I was a bit apprehensive in in the I was going to say the days, but really it was the hours <laughs> leading up to. Um, the Albert Park event after we, we hit the green button and and uh, decided we we're going to push ahead with it um but once I was there I was you know it was fantastic and um it was just so disappointing that the, the weekend didn't continue because being back in the car on so it was very sort of a couple of very short practice sessions and a couple of very short qualifying sessions um was fantastic I really enjoyed it and um I'm counting down the days before we can get stuck back into the championship season for this month away.
1: Now, uh, the great thing is, of course, that, yes, you you couldn't leave anything on the table because you've got 10 minutes to do it in. Uh, I think you qualified 20th in both of those two sessions. Is that about right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was all right. Which, look, when you see it on paper, it doesn't, doesn't sound overly impressive. Um, but the gap, yeah. It, it would be unreasonable to expect to be a whole lot further up the grid. When looking at how competitive the field is, when I literally um, arrived at the track and um, sat in the car the first time on Wednesday evening, before being in the car Thursday morning, um, you know we were always going to be towards the back of the pack. Um, In the practice sessions, I was, although I was twentieth or something, or maybe even last in the first practice session, because we'll most people put softs on at the end. The time I did was good enough for 17th, but it wasn't allowed because I used a fraction too much road. Um, you know, on that one corner where it Turn 12 where the um, track limits come into play and then the second practice session I was 15th. Um, so, look, we got to a reasonable level. Um, the qualifying at Albert Park is basically a one-lap dash. You know, you do a very slow out lap and then just go for it on green. So being my first set of greens for a very long time, um I, I was never gonna maximise them particularly well. So um, you know, I was happy not to be on the back rail of the grid, not to be last. I had a few people behind me. I was pretty competitive with with Chris, my teammate, um, who had already done one event in the car and plus the test day. And the gap to the next car, which I think was Scott pie in the second session was a tenth. So um it wasn't like I was half a second behind the next car in front of me. We were there with the pack and there was plenty of potential to improve over the weekend i was looking
0: forward to alex you jump into the car normally you'd spend you know two or three days making a seat mold you'd spend a day at least getting a pedal box right you're doing this the night before you race the car so how close was the car and you to comfort and being comfortable
2: um it wasn't perfect but it was good enough for the weekend um the actual seat position and the seat mold and where the steering wheel and everything is was, was pretty good. Um, fortunately, Triple Eight have, you know, they've got Shane driving for them. So they're, and Jonathan's tall. So they've got, um, they're used to having the cars are sort of set up around having tall drivers in and the, the seat brackets, I believe, in that car are the same as what Shane uses. So there was plenty of space in there. Um, a couple of small details with the pedal box was, was not perfect and it wasn't something we could fix in the short term, but all of that was relatively minor and it was no, there was no limitations on from an ergonomic point of view. Um, we'll, we'll improve it uh, when we have time, that's for sure. Especially uh, when we get to some of the longer races where the, being comfortable in the car and having everything, particularly with the seat and the pedals, is really important. Um, but for the time being it was pretty good and we're going to have time before the next race by the time.
1: Um, Just looking at uh, a race team and driver and all the components that go up to I was thinking about the holy trinity of the driver, the car, and the engineer. Now, um, I know that resources at Techno Autosport uh, are limited. The car's gone back up to Queensland. The truck's gone back up there, hasn't
2: it? It's somewhere between Melbourne and Queensland. I mean, there's been so much uncertainty over the last handful of days with what's happening. I think John had just parked it and just to wait and see where it was needed to be going, um, but I assume it will be coming back to Queensland at, at at some stage. Yeah.
1: And the interesting thing, of course, is that um, the the truck and the dra- truck driver uh, you know well from your crookshank days, um, uh, that being uh, Michael, um, who's one of the uh, more talented in the driver stakes uh, behind the truck wheel.
2: Yeah, I know. I've known Mick a long time. As you said, from um, from the PCR days, um, and that you know that is Paul's old truck, so um, it was slightly familiar. Uh, walking in there and, and, and seeing Mick, that's right, and it's good. to – I mean, that's a, everyone thinks the truck driver is just the truck driver, but your most of the truckies are also the tire guys. Um, manage all the wheels and the tires, and that's a very very important job. So good having. A very experienced guy managing the tyres for the team, that's for
1: sure. Indeed it is. And, in fact, there was a time when Racefax gave out its uh, Supercar Super Team of the Year and uh, there are a number of truck drivers who are quite glad to have won that award <laughs> at the time. Um, anyway, so the, the elements are, are there. Um, you've got a, a 888 car. Um, you can access, I believe, you'd have a, an agreement in place, an engineering agreement in place with 888 or John O'Wood to uh, have access to some engineering data.
2: Yes, that's right. Um,
1: you can access the information so that to see, so you, you know, and we all know that old adage about it's good being fast, but it's even better when you know why you're fast um, and that, that you'll be able to access and to see why Shane and and Jamie, for instance, were fast at the Grand Prix, what it was they had on board that you didn't have.
2: Yes, look, it's all very new to me. As I said, I haven't been involved a great deal. So the ins and the outs of all those agreements, I'm not completely familiar with. but. Um, the simple version is we have a customer 888 car, which is of, um, as current a spec as you can, you can get. Um, so the hardware is fundamentally what it needs to be. Um, they have a engineering agreement with 888, so we get some information, um, for sure, which being a very small team, um, by far we will be the smallest team on the grid, um, particularly when you're looking at the full-time employees um, that that agreement's very beneficial because it gives you a starting set up um, and actually particularly you know when you've got a guy like me coming in I haven't had come into the first race meeting without any involvement um, meeting the engineers and mechanics at the track um, knowing that you've got a, a reasonable starting point is, is really important and you can feel when you drive out of the pit lane that fundamentally it's well engineered it does more or less what you need to do um, it's not a mile away and or not miles out of the window. So it's a it's a good starting point to to tune from, um, and when we go to the races. In the future, hopefully we'll be a little more organised, um and, you know, as I said we'll be able to work on work on fine tuning the car to my preferences, I suppose. Um from that starting point. So yes, yeah, having that I P agreement and all that is for a small team it's a necessity. You you really can't compete without some support
0: them. Critically, Alex, when we talk about the Paul Cruikshank days, how far the wheel has turned, that sort of thing was actually banned. Teams weren't allowed to have technical alliances and, and we saw Brightech and both uh, Brightek and Paul Cruikshank Racing effectively go to the wall because they were forced as a small team to do everything themselves.
2: Um, well, I can't remember the details of that, but funnily enough, Paul was one of the first Paul Cooksang, with his team were one of the first teams to 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 have a proper IP engineering agreement with Triple Eight. So, I mean, they were one of the first teams to run in a customer type arrangement and do it professionally and do it well. And um, Paul had a fantastic little team back then. Um, had very strong engineers. Had a good team structure with good mechanics, good engineers, um, and. Good, good equipment from Triple Eight, and I still believe that there's a lot of merit for that for that team structure um, with the, with the hardware that is now available to purchase, um, particularly from Triple Eight. Um, there's no reason if you can assemble the right crew of guys or girls, the right crew of um, of people, engineers in particular, um, you can be a front-running team. Now, whether you can challenge for championships against the might of T8 and and Penske is another story. But um, for sure, you can be a front-running team with that business model. Um, Obviously, it requires the right people and the right drivers and engineers and everything in place. But um, Paul was, to get back to the original point, Paul was one of the first guys to do that properly. Um, I suppose the uh, commercial realities of supercars and motor racing in general it makes it very difficult for the smaller teams to survive, but, um, assuming the funding's there, that business model is still very sound. And, uh, and I suppose Jonathan and Techno Autosports Sports have also been very successful in the past. Um, they were second in the championship with Shane, they won Bathurst with Will and Jonathan, and um, it's not that long ago. So the experience is there to, to run a front running team with the, with the customer business model. Um, the experience is there, the knowledge is there, he's done it before. So, um, there's a lot of work required to to get the team and everything back to that level um, there's no doubt about it, but um, some of the ingredients are there, and the experience is certainly there.
1: One of the important uh, things that you've actually got on your side is that we know that Roland Dane likes to see his cars win, whether, um, you know, not at the expense of his own cars, of course, but if his cars can't win, then he he likes to see his cars winning. So I'm sure to that end that he will be doing what he can to ensure that happens. And, you know, at times in the past, Jono um, has had a a pretty good relationship with uh, with Roland, so I think that could well resume. Speaking of the word resume, that would be the one thing that you want to hear is a racing resumes. Um, you know, hear that uh, the sound of uh, a race start and and getting under starters' orders will be something that you uh, are very anxious to have. Uh, to to that end, I mean, you've, it's early days. You've only had you know a couple of days after the returning from the Grand Prix without any uh, race runs. Um, have you got in place sort of
2: a, a schedule in your mind now of what you're wanting to do um look to be honest this week things have been changing and transpiring so rapidly um tony i have no idea what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks um, i'm reading i'm getting most of my info frequently like everyone else so <laughs> um, we're, we're you know we're, we're learning as we're going um it's not only the motor racing World and the races that are changing, but you know, a lot of us drivers work as instructors for um, different car manufacturers and co, you know, I do a lot of coaching and do all sorts of things outside of racing to to make a living. And all of that stuff is being affected by um, the coronavirus drama at, at the second. So, um, you know, it looks like from what we've been told, the next event will, the next Supercars event will be Winton in June, I believe it is. Um, fingers crossed on it. the intention is to, to, to replace, um, those races that we're missing and still have the, the complete schedule this year. So, um, look, I'm sure everyone running a racing championship in Australia at the moment, particularly those in supercars, will be working to resket you know, reschedule the whole series and, and get everything, get all the events in place and, and, you know, fingers crossed, we have a nice busy second half of the year with plenty of racing jammed in. So whether you're a driver or a race fan, um, you know, that'll be exciting in itself if, if we can get to that point. That'll be great.
0: Now, you have done so many different types of racing. You were one of Australia's best Carrera Cup drivers. There's no doubt about that. What do you like with sim racing with Sean Sieber on the show Um this week talking to us about their proposal to put together an e series that will uh help you know fill some of the void of the racing fans wanting to see you drivers doing something
2: oh, that's going to be interesting um i i learned about that today as well uh, exactly how that will pan out i have i'm not 100% sure but um you know it's it, i've i've actually been um shipping away Without too much stress, but still stripping away at getting getting a, an old simulator that will and I had up and running again, and I've just sort of ordered a few bits for it, not knowing that this was all happening um so that was something actually when i before I got the supercars drive for the season um it was something I was thinking would help me stay a little bit sharp and fill fill in a bit of time to do a bit of sim racing at home. Little did I know that two weeks later, I would be looking at doing the same thing under a very, very different situation. So um, I'll be working hard to try and get behind the wheel of the simulator as soon as possible now because whether it's a simulator race or a real or, or a race, um, I can guarantee it will become very, very competitive if all the supercars drivers are, are going to be strapped into their simulator to, to do some racing over the next few months. So hopefully I, i'm not i haven't done a heap of sim racing it's not something i do week in week out like a lot of the other guys do but um i'll try and get up to speed as quick as i can yeah i know
0: david reynolds hates simulators so i think you have to set your benchmark above uh, above david who has this uh, very well-known disdain for it whereas you know, you're going to see your Anton De Pasquale's uh, if they let the co-drivers in. I believe Will Brown's a bit of a gun as well, so it could be interesting to see who lines up for this. And it it could, if they, if in my opinion they're smart about it, they could have 30 car grids if you include all the uh, all the um, all the co-drivers as well. That would be certainly interesting to uh, see if if they're willing to go that far and really stack the field, maybe 55 at Bathurst again.
2: Exactly. Maybe, maybe. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun and exciting, and it'll be a cool experience because there's been e-racing championships before. Uh, I would say there hasn't been many televised e-racing championships with a full grid of professional drivers. So, um you know, particularly... A supercar, e-racing championship with all the full-time drivers in it will be unprecedented and, and pretty cool. So um, I'm looking forward to, to learning more about it and um, hopefully getting involved.
0: Hopefully there's a paycheck in it as well. <laughs> yeah,
2: all <laughs> yeah, well, of that would help at the moment, I can tell
1: um, alex um if we could um schedule to talk to you again when we know when we've got a, a race meeting coming up we'd love to to chat in a couple of weeks time and maybe you know that's optimistically a couple of weeks maybe a month or so um i just as a matter of interest uh, as a matter of interest i've just read a release that a young driver who i saw and met uh, in new zealand in the trs series the toyota race series um has just been made a red bull driver now um eagle fragger um, it won the New Zealand Grand Prix and won the Toyota Race Series, and he beat Liam Lawson and a uh, another uh, Red Bull driver in Yuki Tsunoda, uh, who was a Formula Two driver, and um, he started uh, doing Grand Turismo, aged three, uh, and he learned his skill, learned his skill behind a uh, electric's uh, dash dashboard, um, and now he uh, is racing in Formula 3 in Europe this year and uh, has been uh, elevated to the Red Bull Championship. So anything's possible, Alex. Don't give up
2: hope. Absolutely. No, no, I haven't given up hope, and that's maybe that's why I've made come back in supercars at, uh, at my age after quite a few years out of the saddle. So, no, definitely it's one thing I don't give up on, and uh, it's great to see some young guys getting opportunities like that. Um, He's one of many that Red Bull have promoted um, into that junior program. It's certainly a cutthroat program, though. Um, It's one where you don't get many second chances, so hopefully he makes makes the most of it. Well, thanks, Alex Davison, the newest
1: driver in the supercar paddock this year and driver of car 19 for Techno Autosport. And, Alex, we look forward to talking before you next get on the track.
2: I look forward to that too, Craig and Tony. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Well, what a crazy
0: week it's been here in supercar land. We've got more still to come this week. Come back to insidesupercars.com.au around lunchtime where you can hear Macaulay-Jones' Thought of the Week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au